CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Welcome into another edition of Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash and myself here to talk investing, finance, retirement, and is Social Security going broke? We've got some myths, some truths, some opportunities, some things to cover here today on the podcast. If you need some help, as always, make sure you're talking with a qualified professional like Don, who is a CPA and a CFP, about any of the topics we cover here on this show or any other thing you might hear financially related. Always see how it's going to affect your specific situation. And again, Don is a CPA and a CFP, so a great resource for you to tap into at donaldcash.com. What's going on, buddy? How are you this week? I'm doing good, Mark. We were just talking before the show started about how crazy warm it is in your neck of the woods. The weather is goofy. Days are getting longer. No snow. Uh, we haven't had anything down here at all, and I don't think you've had anything, have you? No, nothing. Yeah. So I guess the groundhog was... <laughs> he's, all, he, he's, he's a perfect weatherman. He's not right often. No, you just do the opposite, right? There you go. It's like uh, like uh, these uh, pundits on Wall Street. <laughs> do the opposite, right? right? He's a good uh, parallel for the the Wall Street prognosticators. But, yeah. uh, you know, on top of that, we had no snow. Right. It's been real mild. It feels more like spring. And we just talked about this before a few minutes ago. It's exactly a month away, mm-hmm. right, spring. Yep, so. that's the time we're taping this, yeah. Yep. And speaking of moving from winter to spring, today is... Mardi Gras Day. Of That's course, right. it's uh, celebrated in a, in a big way in New Orleans. And do you know what the word Mardi Gras means, Mark? I do, because you just laughed at me as well, because uh, it's fat, it means Fat Tuesday, uh, which I said was next week, or uh, I was on the wrong calendar day. And you're like, no, it's today. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm impressed, actually. You knew what that meant. I did not know that. That the actually the word Mardi Gras meant Fat Tuesday. I learned yeah. a little bit of history this past weekend. I attended a friend's Mardi Gras jazz concert. Oh, nice! Yeah, a lot of fun. And the day of uh, the day of Mardi Gras is actually every year the day before Ash Wednesday. Uh, yeah, so see, year. they party and they do all the bad stuff they want to do on Mardi Gras, and then the next day is when they they say, "Okay, now we're going to be good." Exactly. So yep. it leads to like forty days of. Lent, yep. where observers sacrifice something in their lives until Easter Sunday. So that's a pretty cool history. Yeah. Now, I will say, I will confess that I, I knew a little extra as well because I had another fantastic client, much like yourself, who sent me a king cake uh, a couple of weeks ago for uh, the Mardi Gras season. Obviously, the, the company sends these things out all over the place. And so uh, they got about a little bit early. But are you familiar with the king cake that you can get down the there? Ki- I don't know the king cake, but I know that actually the season starts on January sixth. Yeah, yeah, because that's uh, the um, the day of the Epiphany. Yeah, so they it's a really it's a cool tradition. Go check it out. It's a different. It's just this. It's kind of like a giant cinnamon roll, if you will, but it's really good. Uh, in this particular place, they have the little plastic baby that's inside it, and so you got to be careful whoever gets it. But it brings good luck, and <laughs> they send it with a description of what Mardi Gras is all about, and uh, one of those little masks and some beads and the whole nine yards, and it was really delicious too. So, from a place called uh, I think Nona Randazzo's. So check that out. But anyway, Sounds- yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds very good. So, uh, you know, blowout celebration, uh, by the way, because talking about food, like the one place, right, that you have to sacrifice something, food is not going to be it if I live in New Orleans. I don't know about you. No, I mean, the, that is the place where I don't think there's a whole lot of fasting going on <laughs> <laughs> Right in, in New Orleans. The food is great. 
Uh, but it does come at a price, though. I read that the life expectancy in some parts of New Orleans is about equal to a third world country. Uh, yeah. So good stuff. You know, tasty stuff. But yeah, that's that's kind of heavy too, is right. And I guess I don't know if we can if I can use that as a transition since we're talking life expectancy uh, to our topic of social security, since that's something we get when we get older. Uh, we can talk about the solvency of it, Don, what's going on. Uh, what are we doing with our planning? Because there's obviously been a lot of buzz in the news lately about the social security, especially since Biden's State of the Union speech a couple of weeks ago. A lot of political leaders, you know, taking that vow of not to touch the program. Others saying something has got to be done. Uh, so just a lot of conversation going on around that. It's conversation around Ukrainian pensions and, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. So what's true? What can we do about it? What do we need to know? Yeah, we have to really dispel the, the myths from the, the truth, right, Mark? And yeah. There's so much misinformation and disinformation to use popular words uh, that are used today about Social Security. It actually scares a lot of people into making bad decisions. Mm went to file for their own benefits. A lot of people do, they pull the trigger too early on this. And the problem we face with Social Security, really, it's all about math, Mark, and demographics, which is really a fancy word for population changes. <laughs> right. So let's start off with some historical background, Okay. lead up to where we are today. The program is actually funded, Social Security, that is, is funded with tax money going into right. the system. That lovely FICA, uh, that little FICA. That's see. right. Yep. That's the FICA tax on your salary. Mm -hmm. And when the program started back in 1935, Mark, there were 150 workers for every retiree. Right, yeah. And they paid a 1% tax. And FDR said it won't be more than 1%. Uh, of course, <laughs> that's far different. How wrong was One, he? 1% tax on the first $3,000 of earnings. Mm. And you were entitled to the benefits completely tax-free when you turned age 65. Yeah, because we're paying tax on the way in. That's exactly right. That's yeah. the logic. Yeah. So today there are about three workers, not 150 workers, but mm. three workers for every retiree. And the tax is 6.2% of your salary up to a maximum of $160,000, yeah. then you don't pay any more Social Security tax. The full retirement age really depends on the year you were born. Uh, now it's between age of 66 and 67. And for many uh, retirees, the benefits are taxable. And if you think about that, at the high level, you're paying in a tax of about $10,000 a year and the benefits when you receive it are also taxable income. Yeah, and it, and it annoys a lot of people, right? I mean, we're kind of it's kind of getting double hit on this. So not only is that ten thousand in taxes that the worker pays, the employers, right? If you're a, a small business or even a big business, also matches that amount. So there's, I mean, a good chunk of money, like twenty grand plus, going into the system. That's right. For the high end, it's twenty thousand dollars going in, and money coming out taxable. So yeah. it's exactly true. Now, with much of the tax going into the fund. And that much income tax collected from the taxes coming out, you, you would think that they would be flush with cash. Right. However, the problem is that there's far fewer workers yeah. per retiree today compared to many years ago. And there's actually, speaking of 10,000, there's 10,000 people a day turning age 65. Yeah, so those are stark numbers, man. Crazy. Big, big issue. So here are yeah. some facts. There are 60 million people 
collecting Social Security benefits. Not only that, the Social Security disability payrolls have grown from 3 million to 9 million people, Mark, over the past couple of years. Mm. They're paying out over a trillion dollars a year in benefits. Wow. And millions of people actually have retired since the pandemic in 2020. Yeah. And not re-entered the workforce. So, And the average lifespan, of course, is much higher now than when the program started in 1935. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy staggering numbers right when you when you break those down on some of those facts and you know in 1935 you know what was the average lifespan probably wasn't even 65 it was probably like 62 or 3 maybe it was 65 i don't know that's right you know it was, i would think it was about 65 years old so they didn't count on paying out a lot of money it's the perfect system mark think about it money coming in and nothing going out oh yeah i mean you pay this stuff in right and most their life expectancy is 65 they, they weren't turning it on until 65 so maybe they paid somebody three months six months nine months <laughs> something like that right yeah so you could see how for many many years it wasn't an issue but right. now if you look at it this way a man today who lives to age 65 on average, is going to live to about age 83. Mm -hmm. And for a woman, it's about age 86. But keep in mind one very important, really overlooked fact, Mark. Those numbers are only averages. If you're active, if you're healthy, if you don't smoke, uh, if you're diligent financially with higher than average income and assets, studies show that you can live even seven more years than the average. Yeah. I mean, how many people, we all know somebody, right? Or we see someone who lives into their 90s or 100, you know, and that's happening more and more. So, I mean, there's probably good and bad in that. I mean, I know how I personally feel about it myself, but more time to live, which is sounds good, but there's also that potential to run out of money, uh, medical breakdown, body breakdowns, things of that nature. So why do we kind of, kind of hear this continued uh, bankruptcy conversation especially over the last 10 years. I mean, I hear it all the time. Yeah, it's something that's it's continually being talked about, uh, and especially this 10-year period. You know, the, the question is, is it going to be going bankrupt in the year 2033 or 2034? So, right, yeah. Uh, let's be clear. When they're talking about something here, it's, it's the Social Security Trust Fund running out of money in the year 2034. Okay. Insolvency and bankruptcy is very different with government programs, right? Especially since they can borrow money and they can tax us. So it's not the same as insolvency in the corporate world or bankruptcy in the personal level, right? Okay. So let's talk about that. For many years, there was much more money taken in from taxes for Social Security than paid out in benefits. And that difference goes into this so-called trust fund to pay future benefits. So that is a real thing, the trust fund, because I've obviously I've heard a lot of confusing information about it as well. Yeah, there actually there's something. It's an actual Social Security trust fund, and this is how it works. Let's say that the federal government takes in five hundred billion dollars in a year, Mark, okay, uh, in, in um, taxes and pays out four hundred and fifty billion dollars in benefits. Right. The difference of fifty billion dollars would get poured into this separate side trust fund. Think of it like a, almost like, I guess, a savings account, right? It's just they were building up funds. Exactly. Like okay. a separate side savings account that's separate from the regular federal budget. Okay. Uh, as of last year, there was about $3 trillion 
in this fund to pay for future benefits. So it sounds like a lot of money. Sure. And it is a lot of money. But here's what happened recently. When the pandemic lockdowns began in 2020, the Social Security started paying out more in benefits than it took in in revenue. Now the difference is being paid out via this trust fund. And of course, the government also borrows money from this fund to pay for other obligations. So the fund uh, yeah. is slowly being depleted. So a little bit of that robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of thing that we we all say. We all hear those kinds of deals, right? And that exactly. makes sense. I mean, nobody's so many people were not working uh, when they were locking things down. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense that a lot is not as much money was going in. So is that what they're saying? That therefore the trust fund uh, will run out of money in 2034 unless they make some changes. That's exactly right. So, but keep this in mind. People hear that they say they start panicking. They say, "Oh my goodness!" In ten years, running out of money, no more benefits. We start from square one, and there's no checks. All right, right. Not the case. So, keep in mind this is not the first time that there was a really a serious question about the trust fund running out of money. Mm-hmm. Back in 1983, so this is going it's exactly 40 years ago. There were big changes made. Interesting the, in that cycle. I'm sorry, I even cut you off, but so interesting how things come in cycles, right? 40 years ago, and we were just, I don't know, just kind of very strange anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 40 years ago, we were just talking about this on a prior show. It's been 40 years since we've had inflation this high, right? Must be something in the numbers, some sort and, of Yeah, 40 thing. years since interest rates were high, right? Yeah. So now, 40 years ago, and that was an issue, right? Because inflation was high, benefits were being paid out there was a problem with too much money going out of the system. Hmm. Okay. So maybe there are 40-year cycles, Mark. So 40 maybe. years from now, yeah. there'll be another Mark, another Don doing a, a show talking about <laughs> this issue. <laughs> well, we have rain, We have one of these uh, rain events where they say it's a 100-year rain cycle, right? You know, so you know, maybe maybe there is. Who knows? There's something to that. But anyway. Yeah. And this, but this could be compressed to, you know, going forward to more like a 20-year cycle. Could, but yeah. in 1983, there there were big changes made to what I would call the modern Social Security system, Mark, that made the fund solvent for the past 40 years. Okay. And the biggest change was increasing the retirement age and taxing the benefits. So many people don't know that before the 1983 changes, and they they called that back then the Greenspan Commission, hmm. right? Alan Greenspan yep. was in charge of uh, putting together a panel to propose changes. So back then, the Social Security income was 100% tax-free. The full retirement age was age 65, Mark, from 1935 all the way up to the year 2002, Hmm. about 20 years ago. Right. When they started stepping it up little by little to age 66 for people born after 1954. Now, if you're born after 1960, like us, like you and I, it's age 67 until it's considered your full retirement age. And also before 1975, Mark, there was no such thing as a cost of living adjustment. Hmm, wow. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. That might be an area where they start tinkering with it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, of course, for many years, you can collect uh, Social Security. It's the rule now. You can collect as early as age 62, but there's an earnings test where if you make more money than you should, more than $21,000, they'll reduce your benefits until your full retirement age. So right. most people who are still working don't even consider collecting their benefits until they retire. Right. Now, right now, here's an interesting stat. About 60% 
of the population files for benefits hmm. early. Wow. That's before their full retirement age. About a third, they apply for benefits at their full retirement age, 66, 67. And about 5% wait to get the maximum benefit age 70. I mean, I know how people have good reasons, Don, to file early. I mean, like I said, you know, if you need the money, sure, that's one thing. If your health isn't good, uh, if your spouse is older and, and maybe waiting on benefits, or you just don't have longevity in your family, I think some of the not good reasons are like, well, they just owe me <laughs> or let me get it before it's gone kind of thing. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Those are good reasons, exactly those four you mentioned. I would say that worrying that your benefits are going to be taken away. Mm-hmm. If you don't file early, like you mentioned, it's really not a good reason. Well, let's expand on that a little bit then. What happens to the trust fund and what changes do you think might come down the road? Like, I mean, I just mentioned possibly moving the date, the age. I mean, there's lots of things I guess they could do, right? Absolutely. Here's the bottom line. Despite what the politicians are saying at the State of the Union speech, Mark, Mm -hmm. changes are coming, Hmm. right? They they will make changes. I mean, they kind of have to, clearly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, they called Social Security forever the third rail of politics. You've heard that. Like, (laughs) no one wants to discuss touching it. But if you don't touch it, then it will run out of money. So (laughs) there has to be changes. Here's what's being proposed by the trustees of the Social Security Trust Fund. And, And yes, they actually are trustees of the trust fund, and they do file a report every year. Oh, that's good to know. Yep, on the solvency. And, you know, this is something that I do in my spare time, Mark. I read the the Social Security trustees' reports. And God love you for it, man. You know what? People (laughs) watch sports. They fish. They have hobbies. I read Social Security trustees' reports. And that's why I love talking to you. (laughs) Here's what they're saying. Okay. They have a bunch, I'd say probably a handful of serious recommendations. Okay. One is raising the full retirement age from 67 to something like age 70. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, we are living longer. Makes sense. And they just did this recently with IRA distributions, right? It was 70 and a half. Right, yeah. Then they made it 72, then 73. I almost feel like that was a precursor too, right? Kind of like, hey, let's move these back and we'll get you comfortable with that. And then we'll do that, you know, the next one. But. Exactly. Get used to the age 70. So. Yeah. But people shouldn't freak out. It's likely that really this is going to uh, affect much younger workers, Mark. I would think so, yeah. Not people uh, in retirement or close to retirement. You know, keep in mind, this was done in 1983 mm-hmm. for those born in 1960 or later, as we mentioned. It's so 23 the, uh, years, yeah. It was age 67. So in 1983, those people were 23 years old. Sure, yeah. And it was added gradually over time. It wasn't like they were pulling the rug out from anyone right. at that point. Right. So, and that's the idea going forward. And it's also political suicide for them to, to consider making any significant changes to people who would vote them out of office. Right. Yeah. Right. So the second point is raise the payroll cap on taxation. Now, that's a sensitive issue. Right now, it's $160,000, Mark. So if you earn over that amount, you don't pay a penny into Social Security. That's a proposal that's favored by the Democrats. They want to lift that cap so there is no cap on the Social Security wages. Mm. Okay, That would be a, a nasty uh, surprise to especially small business owners, right? If you think about that, if the cap was lifted and someone owned a bunch of delicatessens or dry cleaners mm-hmm. and they made $200,000, 
they would have a huge increase in their taxes. Yeah. So a compromise they're talking about made it be to suspend the tax at something like $160,000 until the income hits, let's say, $400,000. Then the tax starts up again. That's a donut hole we've heard about. Isn't isn't there something similar to that someplace else in, in one of our, our codes somewhere? Yeah, there was with uh, the Medicare prescription drug plan. Okay, so maybe they're thinking the part- about kind of barring that over. Yep, they borrowed it from that exactly. So that got closed up. That doesn't exist anymore. But that's an idea that they've been floating. Sure. Right. It kind of takes the sting out away away from the small business owner and it picks up at some higher income. The third point would be simply to raise the payroll tax from six point two percent to something like seven percent. Right. Uh it's been six point two percent for over 30 years, so people haven't seen any changes at all mm-hmm. in their tax in 30 years. And the, the last change would be, of course, cut the benefits. And, and that's really, I think, for people who are near retirement, the least likely option. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think that's probably the case. And, you know, it's it's tough. It's just the times where we're in such tough times that these things come to a head and then people feel like they, you know, they got to make, well, we have to make these changes. So it's like, to your point about the same rate for the last 30 years, raising it from 6.2 to 7, I mean, it doesn't seem that terrible. It's just the timing of t- raising that now would be <laughs> rough on people, right, with inflation and everything else that we're dealing with. So it would certainly be feel more impactful and be more impactful. So, I mean, it looks like these changes are really designed for people who are not, to your point, in retirement or even near it. Uh, you know, you can see this them saying people under the age of 35 or something like that. So what about those that are collecting benefits, Don? Any changes you foresee there or any thoughts? Yeah, to your point, Mark, I, I think like what happened in 1983 with the changes, mm-hmm. I really think most of the, for the most part, older people are safe from any radical changes. Right. The one area they may want to tinker with, this is for people who are near retirement or in retirement, is taxing more benefits uh, or reducing benefits for high-income retirees. Okay. So I'll give you an example. If you're earning, let's say, a million dollars or even $100,000 uh, in retirement and you're collecting Social Security benefits, 15% of the benefit is tax-free. So for someone who's a millionaire collecting, like Warren Buffett, for example, 15% of their benefits tax-free. So hmm. they may make the entire benefit taxable for whatever they consider to be high-income earners, right? So it could be someone making more than two hundred dollars or $300,000 a year. Hmm. Uh, the other area I could see them tinkering with is the cost of living adjustment. Last year, that was 8.7%. Right, So if someone had Social Security income, it got bumped up by that amount. I can see them changing that, especially starting with those higher income retirees. Yeah, that's a good point as well. And, and, and I got to ask you a little extra question. What if like, fo- fo- folks who make like crazy amounts of money, do they, I mean, are they still technically quali- are they allowed to get Social Security? Like if you make, I don't know, $100 million, like an athlete or a movie star, I mean, do they, I guess they technically can still get Social Security too, correct? Absolutely. Now, if you see those movie stars and athletes doing those Medicare commercials like Joe Namath and William Shatner and Jimmy J.J. Walker, although I don't imagine he is a multi- No, probably not like- uh, He's probably a pretty wealthy guy. He's probably all right, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If you're uh, Bill Gates, I'm not sure how old he is, if he's old enough for Social Security yet, but someone like that, Warren Buffett, for example, Uh they, they get 
you know, the maximum Social Security benefit now for someone retiring this year is about $3,600 a month. Uh-huh. So there's no um, reduction for someone who's extremely wealthy. <laughs> You'd think they'd say, okay, look, if you've got that much money, you don't need it. We're going to cut some of you guys out or something like that. But anyway, uh, let's keep it back on the, the plane of, of uh, how it affects most of our listeners. You were talking about cost of living adjustment. My mom is always saying, hey, I got a cost of, you know, when she gets one, not that it happened often prior to the last couple of years, but she'd say, great. And it all goes to Medicare. <laughs> Is that kind of the case? They they always take it and send it there. It seems like that's the deal. High income retirees pay, I guess, an excess Medicare premium. And it makes sense that they would adjust the benefit with Social Security. So what are the planning strategies or maybe opportunities facing those in that arena? Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot, right? That IRMA penalty. That's it. Right. I always forget it's called IRMA. Yep. Yep. That income-related uh, monthly adjustment. So if your income is more than $91,000 if you're single or $180,000. Actually, it's about $195,000, I think, now if you're married. Mm. You're paying that extra, uh, what they call it an adjustment, which is just a fee or a tax or you know a surcharge. Mm-hmm. So he- here's what I'd say in terms of strategies and opportunities, Mark. Don't pull the trigger on Social Security income because you think they're going to take away the benefits, okay. right? Right. A- and pull the rug out from uh, under you. The other thing to consider is even though you may not see changes in your benefits, your kids will likely, very likely see their benefits get uh, changed. Mm-hmm. We're living in the golden age, I call it, of Social Security, Mark, right now. So when we plan for the entire family, we do a lot of tax planning. We talked about this before with the IRA and with Roth IRAs. If we can have more of the savings pass tax-free to the next generation, like with a tax-free Roth IRA, they could have a whole separate source of income to replace that potential reduction in Social Security income. Well, that makes a lot of sense, Don, because you think about all the changes to the Secure Act 2.0. There was a lot in there, uh, almost the Rothification, if you will. There was a lot in there around Roth, so maybe they are trying to give that warning or give that uh, heads up. Yeah, but it requires, Mark, a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. Planning, a lot for of, sure. Yeah. A lot of planning, a lot of preparation. The Social Security uh, trustees report said there's enough uh, in the fund to pay 75% of benefits after the year 2034. So, you know, it, it, likely they'll patch that up. Maybe they'll patch it up for another 10 or 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. But the next generation is still going to have problems. We can't get away from the demographic issue that there's three workers for every retiree. You mean they'll kick the can down the road and let it be somebody else's problem? No. You know that. One thing we know for sure, almost all of those congressmen and senators down the road are not going to be around. Yeah, right. (laughs) So it will be someone else's problem. So, yeah, they'll kick the can down the road. Uh, They'll patch it up probably for some period of time. But the demographics continue. Now there's three workers for every retiree. Yeah. Down the road, there's going to be two workers for every retiree. So here's the bottom line. One, don't panic. Plan your Social Security benefits carefully. That's what we do for people who come into the office that haven't yet collected their benefits. Uh, know that taxes will go up, right? There's a $31 trillion national debt and a trillion dollar a year deficit. So 
we have to look at reducing the taxes on the other assets like the IRA and 401k mark mm-hmm. and make sure that you know we can plan properly live your life with confidence and plan with clarity. Yeah, and that's you know one of the reasons we do the podcast is to share some interesting information on these things that Don does the research on and we talk about uh, every couple of weeks here. So and and we make that offer to you that if you need some help and you're not already working with him, come in and have a conversation because planning is going to be more paramount than ever. Uh, not only if you're if you're a retiree clearly, but also for pre-retirees, you know, or thinking about the future generation. So kind of getting those things in lined up is certainly a good idea and that's what don does he again he's a cpa and a cfp and he's here to help so if you want to have that conversation lots of things you can do uh, stop by the website donaldcash.com that's donaldcash.com you can just uh, click on that check out the tools tips and resources he's got you can subscribe to the uh, podcast if you'd like that's another great way to catch content and information uh, as we do these a couple of times a month your money and your life on whatever platform you like using like apple google spotify you can find all that information and much more at donaldcash.com that's donaldcash.com don thanks for hanging out my friend i appreciate it thanks mark as always we'll see you next time here on your money and your life with don cash Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey. 